0: The world we live in today, integrity doesn't seem to be of a value to many people anymore. Money has taken the place of integrity and doing the right thing. For teachers in their jobs and building the future, the next generation, integrity and doing the right thing has to be of the utmost importance and is respected. To be able to have something so precious and valuable in front of you is not something to ever ever take lightly and to not give your all. And that leads me to say I today have a teacher that was in the field for over 30 something years that you can only tell integrity, kindness, good intentions is all he had for these children and who he is as a person. I have much love and respect for teachers. And I'm so happy to have here today Scott Hopkins. So, guys, let's do what we do here with Brandy J. Singleton, a voice to be reckoned with in the world we live in. Hey, Scott, and welcome.
1: My name is Steve Joyner, and I had the privilege of being a student of Mr. Scott Hopkins when I was in the fifth grade and partially through the sixth. Scott was one of those educators that comes along rarely in one's life. It helps mold young people, like myself at the time, to become better human beings.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Brandy J. Singleton. Uh, this is my show, A uh, Voice to Be Reckoned with. Today I have here with me Scott Hopkins. Uh, he is a former teacher, mentor, site representative for the Chula Vista Educator and Chula Vista Elementary School District. And uh, Scott, are you there?
1: Hi, Brandy. How are you?
0: I am well, and yourself. So happy right. to have you here.
1: Doing well myself as well. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, yes. Thank you for agreeing. Um, it's it's an honor to be able to have uh, another, you know, educator, <laughs> you know, and uh, I don't think I've ever had a, a teacher, you know, on before, which is surprising, but I, I've tried. I've tried. I feel like we don't get enough, uh, not saying that we need it or we seek it, but I still think teachers go under valued in this uh
1: society it's all good <laughs> you know yes and um, I'm retired but nevertheless I have you know, 35 years in the elementary level and saw plenty and heard plenty and have some great experiences that I gained through my career uh, for example my first sixth graders are now 58 years old Wow. And uh, one of my former sixth graders is now my optometrist.
0: Get out of here.
1: So I have that going for <laughs> me. He, uh, That's amazing. He was a great kid uh, who came actually to my class in Chula Vista from Mexico. But he was born in Israel and learned Hebrew, uh, moved to Mexico City, learned Spanish, and walked into my class the first day in uh, September in Tula Vista, bilingual, bilingual, not speaking any English. English. So by the end of the year, he a lot of the kids and his English abilities, uh, went on to an optometry school and bought a practice in Ocean Beach here in San Diego that had been running for 50 years consecutively with another optometrist. And now he's taken on a total of two other optometrists in the office and he's very well-liked, very well-respected, and uh, I trust him completely with my vision health, and uh, he's always glad to see me and I to see him. So sometimes things like that happen that are kind of special little relationships.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool that, you know, you could see somebody that you used to, uh, you know, know and teach and then see see that uh Go, you know, go on further on into, into the right place where you, what you're basically, your job, it made your job more worth, you know, what you what you're trying to achieve. Basically, that's what we want to do. Right. Like what we want to see. That's the well, you
1: know. to, to me, a lot of the um, attraction of being a teacher was to see what kind of adults the kids turned out to be, and um, <laughs> they're in all kinds of different fields. Anything from law enforcement, law to, enforcement medicine, to medicine to all kinds of other fields uh, that uh, they've gone into and are successful. Many of them have their own families now, and I've been to weddings and uh, even a funeral and some other things involving my former sixth graders who probably total about a 1,000 kids uh, over my career. And uh, it's been very rewarding. That's kind of the, the after effect of being a teacher is to see how everybody you know, moves on with their lives and especially to see yeah. the successes they become.
0: Yeah. <coughs> Back with some more teachers' facts and information. Who invented homework? Roberto Novillis. An Italian ped- pedagogue, Roberto Novillis is considered the real inventor of homework. He was the person who invented homework in FAR 1905 and made it a punishment to his students. Since time, when was homework invented, this practice has become popular around the world. Hey there, everybody. If you haven't heard of Anchor by Spotify, well, you're about to now. Anchor is where you can create your very own podcast. And it has all the tools that allow you to record, edit right from your phone or your computer. And when hosting, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. That's everything you need. Everything to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is completely free. Seriously. All you have to do is download this Anchor app or go to anchor dot fm to get started you hear that anchor dot fm to get started now what are you waiting for so you can have a podcast like me yes like me the world we live in yeah most definitely that's that's what it's about. The relationships and I always like tell people I like to see when the, the light bulbs turn on you know and they finally get it and they start to like feel good about themselves you know it's like you know the charter school and stuff usually are for kids that uh you know that usually come with behaviors and you know have issues or what or the sort you know and uh you know I know you've had your share but you get a lot of those kids that uh and you, you gotta be, you know, you can't. I don't think this anybody can just do do this type of job. But you gotta, you know, you gotta, you want it, you know, so badly. You know that everywhere else they went, people just gave up on them. You know, like oh, he's, he's not. He's. I've heard. I've had experiences where I heard the teacher <laughs> say it, and she's like, "What?" Like I don't know. Like if she didn't think anybody would hear her, or she didn't mean to say it out loud, but she was like, "Just screw up." Let's let's teach the kids that want to teach. I said, you can't say that, <laughs> you know, but it's like you want, those are the ones you, you want even more because you want to show them, you know, like you're worthy, you can do this, you know, just, you know, and when you see that happen, you know, with the kid that was just so against it and, and you know, because I see a lot of behaviors, I have what I'm worried about now, but a lot of those behaviors come when they don't feel smart. I know this one because she doesn't feel smart, you know, and she can't really understand it and she's not like everybody else but she's the kindest sweetest she's really athletic uh but she has you know some learning issues you know and i'm all, and she gets down on herself and i never let her i don't even let. i don't even give her a pity party you know what i mean i kind of let her know like well if this is how you're gonna be i said you're never gonna get it. i said and how are you gonna be able to play basketball i said i'm here right now i said i'm not going anywhere i'm here to help you so i mean so let's let's get it done you know, and I just keep showing up and I keep telling her, come on, come on, come on. We can do this, you know, and uh, when she's getting it, when she's on it, she's on it, you know, and she can see it in in herself, inside of her. She just feels like the smartest thing going and she wants to show everybody. She wants to help everybody else. And, you know, I, I really like, you know what I mean, when I could see that break through those walls,
1: Well, I started back in 1973, um, did one year in San Diego Unified School District at Encanto School. And uh, then after that year, they let every teacher in the district with one and two years experience go as a way to try and limit their budget for the following year. But anyway, I got on with Chula Vista the next year. And I had kind of a, I guess, a unique thing. I never played the typical teacher role or anything like that. I had my own way of uh, talking to the kids and uh, and what it was was kind of a family environment I talked to them like young adults I never talked to them as little kids and uh, that I think they respected that and I made it clear that you know we we're gonna work hard in the classroom everybody's gonna work hard when we study and then we're gonna go out and play hard and have a good time out in the playground as well and nobody in the classroom or I would ask them is it anybody in this class uh better than anybody else uh on the first day of school they would look at you like what are you, what are you talking about and I said oh I just want to know if any of you think that you're above anybody else and I said and that includes me I said as far as I'm concerned we're all, equals. Concerned. We're all equal we're all going to study we're all together to study work together we will make mistakes I'll make mistakes uh we don't criticize much each much other much for those we build each other up for good work and good answers and that type of thing and nobody ever gets bullied or treated badly or uh, made to feel like they're less than anybody else. And that worked pretty good. Um, I guess I had a certain amount of, uh, I struck a certain amount of fear into some of the kids because some of the kids were afraid to be in my class. But after they got there, a lot of more, you know, wouldn't, you know, they were very, very happy. But there was that reputation I had for being, you know, pretty tough, I guess. But it was never in a mean way. I was in a a yeah. loving, kind way.
0: I feel like you're consistent. You know what yeah, I, mean? I mean? They know what to expect with you. And that's what I'm trying to strive for. You know what I mean? I see that's what is being lacked in some areas. You
1: know, the you know. consistency is really important. Um, actually, I borrowed this from another teacher that I had heard of that I liked. Uh, he had a set of classroom rules posted. And he also had a set of consequences posted. So everybody knew way before they acted up exactly what was gonna happen. There was no secrets, no nothing to guess about. And he had a thing called see me cards. And if you acted up one time in class, you got your name on the blackboard, but that second time you got a see me card. And that was basically a four by six index card in which they would write their own name, the date and the time it happened. And then they had to write down what exactly happened and what classroom rule they violated and what their plan was not to have it happen again. And after school, I would just look at the card, make sure it was it was honest and an accurate reflection of what happened, and say, okay, see you tomorrow, and uh, off they'd go. Well, I'd file all those, and if anybody, or whenever we had a parent conference or anything like that, I could pull out the cards and lay them in front of mom and dad, and say, well, here's the times when we've had issues. Uh, Let's look at these and see if, there's, see a see if there's a thing. Thing. common thing. Did these always happen before lunch? Always happen, you know, in certain situations. And it was pretty obvious what had happened. It was in the kid's handwriting, not mine, and uh, that worked real well. There were other consequences above that too, but a lot of times in the day, it never went past that because you know they had already gotten to that level and knew they'd better watch their p's and q's or you know not didn't want to go to the next level. So. certain teachers in their lifetime and I think for a lot of kids I was one of those people I wasn't maybe the only one but I was one of them and I have a lot of kids like Stephen that's the whole reason Stephen got into this was he was talking about how I kind of you know made his life for his school experience special and memorable and he's all these years in his adult life thought back about his time with me in my classroom and so you know hopefully I, I was that teacher for a number of you know, kids, and maybe yeah. something that I've said during the the time we've recorded today will be usable that way. Maybe even this part we're talking about right now will be part of your final cut. And uh, of course, it uh, is. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I've got you know kids on Facebook and kids that I've been able to connect with over the years that look back and say I motivated them to be what they are today or to do what they do today. Also. I've had kids that talk about, you know, that a lot of them are teachers. I have quite a few former students that are teachers and they say that they lean on some of the things they, that I did in my classroom to make them good teachers today. And uh, so just the fact that it was a long time ago, doesn't mean it was bad. Uh, It can be that it was a very good technique or a very successful technique that they find they can tweak a little bit and use in, you know, the 21st century, so. Anyway, lots lots of neat things happened, lots of good happened, lots of kids learned a lot and uh, it worked out well for me. I think that, um, you know, overall it was a great career. Uh, it led to a, a good pension and in this day and age, uh, knowing that I have a, a good income or a significant income at a time when a lot of people are hurting, uh, I'm fortunate that way as well. And, uh, so it was, you know, a successful career i could have done other things i i thought about other things but i ended up in the teaching profession and uh, not not sorry for one moment that i did well i got the first idea about being a teacher that was on my mind and back at that time they had a program in san diego unified where uh, we could sign up and go spend an hour or two a day at an elementary school. And I did that, but I was uncomfortable a little bit because there were not that many men in elementary education at that time. So I felt, gee, maybe this isn't you know what I should be doing. Maybe I should uh, stick with other things. Well, I was also big into journalism uh, in the high school level. I was the sports editor of our newspaper, And um, I went out to San Diego State as a journalism major. Uh, I was getting straight A's in journalism at San Diego State. I was kind of a, a, for lack of a better term, kind of like an up and comer. And uh, I was able to write stories and do things in a way that the other students were like sometimes in awe of. And when I was uh, going into my junior year, I believe, I was invited to be the um, news editor of the Daily Aztec newspaper by Kathy Clark, who was a longtime television personality here in San Diego. And she was going to be the editor-in-chief and invited me to be her news editor. Well, we had a class in advanced news writing in the social sciences building at San Diego State. And in that day, about 1971, this would be, Uh, It was a whole classroom full of the manual typewriters. And we had a professor that was a legend out at San Diego State by the name of James Julian. He still has a scholarship named after him to this day. And he had a textbook he had written himself. It was a spiral bound notebook. And it had notes, imaginary notes from the field of all these different news events, uh, car accidents, house fires, drownings all these local news stories that we could be sent out on. And he would walk into the classroom at 11 o'clock and write a page number on the board and walk out. Well, we had to open his textbook to the page number he had written, and we had to read the notes, figure out what had happened, write the story, and have it on his desk by 11.50 at the end of the classroom, or the class, so almost everybody in the classroom would light up cigarettes under stress to write these stories and i was dying i've never smoked i had asthma as a kid and i was dying and even though i got the highest grades on the stories and did them really well i thought to myself is this what my career is going to be like as a journalist am i going to be stuck in newsrooms like gagging from everybody smoking like this. So I actually went to the head of the department and changed my major from journalism to social sciences and the teaching credential over that issue. And they asked me, are are you sure you wanna change your major? Are you really sure you wanna do this? I said, yes, I am. And I left the journalism program over that issue. Um, Then about two years after that, cable TV began. And whereas they used to have one football game on on a Saturday, one football game on a Sunday, one baseball game a day on television, the cable industry hit and all of a sudden everything was on TV. Every football game in college, every football game in professional football, all the baseball games. I think if I would have stayed in journalism, I probably could have become a uh, television broadcaster, which was my goal. But I left too early, left it all behind, and went into teaching. And, uh, you know, I've always had that question in my mind could I have made it as a television broadcaster? But I will never know and I changed my major over the issue of people smoking, which you can't even do in a, in, a, in a professional setting now. But back then it changed my life and that's how I got into elementary teaching. So a little bit about that. Um, I student taught as a graduate student. I got my degree after four years. And back at that time, they offered the state of California offered a lifetime teaching credential. So we had the option to do our student teaching as a graduate student. And that's what I did. I already had my, my degree. I did two semesters of student teaching and then received my credential with 30 units of postgraduate work. So that started me higher on the pay scale gave me my lifetime credential and I didn't have to go back and finish my credential by taking classes after I had taught all day. Because back then you had to complete 30 units of postgraduate work during your first five years of teaching in order to finally get your full lifetime credential. So by doing mine as a graduate student, got my full credential, got my requirement of 30 units in, started higher on the pay scale and Off I went. My uh, first year as a teacher out of San Diego State, my salary for the entire year was $8,450. And in San Diego Unified, I got 10 checks, each for $845, and that was it. That was my first year. Uh, My next year in Chula Vista, I started at $9,850, I believe. I got a big pay raise and moved to Chula Vista, and uh, the rest is history. When I was an undergrad at San Diego State, they had um, seminars where they'd bring in all the personnel directors of different school districts, and everyone would get up and say, oh, La Mesa Spring Valley, we have no jobs open. Uh, San Diego Unified, oh, it's a bleak time. There's no jobs available. Uh, Oceanside, Del Mar, whoever it was, oh, we have no jobs open. The personnel director in Chula Vista got up. His name was Cliff Johnson at the time. And he said, in Chula Vista, we always have room for outstanding teachers. And I thought, wow, that's where I wanna go. This guy, instead of giving us gloom and doom, told us that if you're good, we'll find a place for you. And that's basically what happened after my first year in Sanger Unified. I went to Chula Vista, got hired on over the summer, and I replaced a man who had been diagnosed with terminal cancer in the previous year at another school. And he was transferring schools over the summer, so the kids did not know him or expect him to be coming. I opened the class for him in September and he passed away in October. So I was uh, going to his home during the summer, uh, talking to him and his wife and getting his instructions about how to open the classroom. And he would lie down on his bed in his trailer home where they lived and say, how old are you? I'd say, well, I'm 24 or whatever my age was at that time. And he'd say, do you have a credential? I'd say, yes, sir, I have a credential. And I've already taught for one year in San Diego Unified He said, oh, okay then, here's what you want to do. And he'd start telling me about never smiling for the first couple weeks of school, uh, never uh, cracking a joke or anything like that. Um, His uh, wife and his friends literally carried him into the classroom in Chula Vista and set him down. And he would say, okay, on that wall over there, I want a light blue background on that bulletin board. And over here, I want yellow and he would, tell them these things and they would try and help put up some bullet boards for him before school started, but he never got in the first day of class to ever teach one day. He um, stayed at home. Um, His situation and his condition worsened and he passed away in about mid October and the Chula Vista district was nice enough to write my contract retroactive to the first day of school. So, like they say, one person's end is another person's beginning. And that was my situation as I moved over to the Chula Vista Elementary School District in 1973, September of 1973. Uh, So there's a little bit for your um, background on my beginning in school.
0: Who made school? Credit for a modern version of the school system usually goes to Horace Mann. When he became Secretary of Education in Massachusetts in 1837, he set forth his vision for a system of professional teachers who would teach students an organized curriculum of basic content. Thank you, Scott Hopkins, for stopping by today and blessing us with your knowledge and your kindness. And uh, as an educator myself, I can say that you left a very um, huge impression on me. And I learned some things I can actually say, you know, because we talked a lot longer than the show actually went. And um, you really, you really... a good guy and your students were so lucky to have you and for Steve Joyner I mean very much true what he says about you and I could tell you know and how he speaks of you that you made a difference in his life and we need more like you there are very much many Teachers that do an outstanding job, but there can never be too many, you know, we can always, always use more and more and more, you know, so thank you, Scott, and you're welcome here on the show anytime, as a matter of fact, I'll be meeting with you on Monday. Yes, people, Monday. Don't worry. I'll be back to advertise and promote that. But let's go ahead and end the show and say good day to Mr. Scott Hopkins. Peace.